Hey, hey. <laughs> it's been a minute. I have not put out a podcast for two, three weeks now. And I'm going to go into the why of that. But thank you for those of you that are listening and have been listening and have been encouraging me in this podcast journey of mine. Um, thank you for being patient with how long it takes me to upload an episode sometimes. <laughs> but welcome to Out With The Old, In With The New, In The Closet with Shasta Eve. And I am in my closet. I like to paint the picture of what I'm doing. The setting that I'm in. I'm laying on my floor <laughs> because of the topic at hand. And I got, I actually streamed some lights in my closet. And you guys, I have a very big closet. So it's like a room, it's ventilated. But here's the good part this is how I know I'm ready for this podcast. My clothes are folded and organized. My closet's beautiful right now. <laughs> so we know that Shasta's ready. Because. If you've heard my podcast before, you know I've said that my closet is a representation of my soul. So here we are. I'll tell you what, the past three weeks, my clothes have been all over the dang floor. It's been a disaster. But disasters don't have to last forever. So here I am (laughs) with y'all. Okay, so this podcast is triggering and it's messy and it's taken me three dang weeks to be ready to express this part of my healing journey and and y'all are on it with me I've had many of you that I want to thank that have encouraged me in this um this healing this healing journey I'm on, you guys have encouraged me to put out this podcast because I wasn't going to, but that would defeat the whole purpose of the podcast, you know, it would take away from the organic, raw, vulnerable version of myself that I am so excited to continue becoming, that's why I put out the podcast in the first place, you know, so here we are, and I'm just gonna kind of just bear with me because this topic I have felt for so long, the topic of sexual abuse is of the past. I've been in a lot of abusive relationships and have abused myself in life and have felt unworthy of telling my story because who am I? I think a lot of us feel that way. Like, who are we to, to say our junk that we should just be over already? Like, the The bag should be unpacked and done with, and we should be moving on. So why tell our story? Well, because we are awesome, and we deserve to truly live a life of freedom and abundance and not be locked into... I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are healing and, and have healed and done the work, and that's incredible. They are the ones teaching me what to do now. And hopefully I can impact some of you. But it is so important to unpack the trauma in our life. And we live in a time nowadays where we can do it right here on our phones. We can do it, you know, over video, over all these platforms. Hey, man, thank God we didn't have all those things when I was younger. (laughs) I don't even know. I kind of wish I did, but I'm kind of happy I didn't. (laughs) So, yeah. um, This is a part of my healing journey. Whether I like to admit it or not. And it is very important that I share it because it's a really big part of... It's played a big part in a lot of decisions I've made in my life and who I am today. And so I feel like I want to share it with you guys and open it up as like just to really unprofessionally because I'm still just doing this with my phone and trying to figure it all out. But (laughs) 
I just, I really want to share this stuff so that, so that it can be talked about in just, just an organic way, a really organic way. And I want, I want more people to stop denying the fact that their past was done to them. They didn't choose it. And to really take a look at themselves, if they've had sexual trauma in their life, whatever, whatever form it took, whether it was small, big, whatever, it's all the same. It all steals something from us. I want people to know that it's important. You're worthy enough of going to that place, even though it sucks. I didn't, I thought I was good. I thought I had dealt with this issue. I've been in church my whole life. I've been through counseling. I thought I had this under wraps, but I tell you what, (laughs) that is, it's not the case. (laughs) I'm doing good now. So that's why I'm putting out the podcast now because I wanted to be able to kind of come from a place of victory and not be right in the middle of the mess, even though I think I should do that more often. I think I should be a little bit more messy because we all need to know that we can relate to each other. You know, it just helps. So I hope that this helps somebody or gives some insight into some other things because it correlates with narcissistic abuse. It correlates with trauma bonds. It correlates with trauma, 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 you know, it's all related to each other. So here we go. (laughs) So first, before jumping right into my sexual abuse, um, stories, I, when I had put out my last episode with my daughter, I, Next few days, I had an idea of what I wanted to start really diving into and healing from. And so I was kind of focused on that. And then three days goes by, four days go by. Um, I start watching The Handmaid's Tale with my daughter. Because her and my other kids have already watched it. And my older kids. And so they've been trying to get me to watch it forever. And I've denied them nonstop because I knew... I knew it was going to hook me, <laughs> you know, and it was going to be like one of those things that I just can't stop watching. So I steered clear of it until three weeks ago. So I'm watching it and then I notice a theme, like a theme of attacks, like these arrows, pew, pew, just like coming at me from different angles. And I kept going like, dude, I know I'm healing. But come on, like, what is this mess? And so I honestly just started like going surface level Shasta, like, hmm, okay, I'm having, I was actually not even knowing what was going on, what kind of attack, because you know, when you're in your healing journey, you have these, like every day you think you're just like, what's next? You know, what am I going to heal from today? What am I going to work on today? It's a constant everyday um, experience. And so I was not even paying attention. I was so blind. And the reason for that is because this issue's super painful. So I kept having this issue uprise in me. And I was like, hmm, what's that? And just just blinding myself. And um, so I started eating better. I started like drinking more water. I started going on walks. I started getting out of the house. I started doing like fun, upbeat things, listening to to, like really upbeat music, still doing like cold showers and working on my, um, nootropic intake. Cause I've been trying to boost my dopamine and serotonin levels with like holistic stuff. You know, I'm just doing all the things, guys, because I wanted to feel good. And um, so I'm like a week and a half into this. And I had some people ask me, hey, you're going to put out your next podcast. I'm like, yeah, I I think I'm going to talk about 
XYZ. And then I just felt this kind of like emptiness about it. And every time I've done a podcast, it's been because I am in this raw organic state of being inside my healing journey. And I I promised myself that I would never perform for my podcast. I was never going to do anything on a platform where I performed because I've done that before. And I don't want to perform in my life anymore. And, uh, so if I didn't feel like I was ready to express what was going on inside of me, I couldn't put out a podcast. So I was like, okay, what's the problem here? Okay. You know what? I think I know what it is. I need to stop texting this person. I need to stop listening to this music. Like I couldn't even, I was just trying to make it all up as I went. So I didn't have to deal with it. Cause I just really, I wasn't sure I was not in denial for sure. That's what was going on. So a week and a half in and I'm sitting in my closet and I'm trying to write down some topics that I really need to talk about and work through. And I have a friend of mine send me a voice message and he goes, cause I was telling him how, and I'm going to interrupt myself. Let me back it up like a few steps. So I had a very important person in my life reach out to me and this person is in a relationship, but he's been very important to me for a long time. And I'm going to, you're going to notice I'm not saying specific names in this podcast because I'm not here for a smear campaign. This isn't, I don't want to drag anybody's name through the mud, but this is my story and I deserve to tell it. So I'm going to do that as tactful as possible. (laughs) Um, so he reaches out to me and I have boundaries with this human being, but I've been in a battle with this person for a long time. And he has a proposal for me because he's the kind of person in his life that no matter what is new that he's latching on to or using as his, you know, feel good scenario, people that deal with trauma his way, they need to know that they haven't lost anything. They don't like to lose. So he was making sure that he hadn't lost me. And when he reached out to me, I was like, what's the deal? Like, why am I dealing with this battle? He proposed something to me that was a clear message saying, the clear message I've been having from this person or any other person that's been in my life closely, any man, Hey Shasta, I want to use you, but let me tell you that I want to use you because I love you because you are the only woman that makes me feel anything good that you compare. Nobody compares to you. All these words that, that are used in tactics to keep me or anybody else who understands what I'm saying, when you're, when you deal with narcissistic behavior, they like to use words that just make you feel so special. (laughs) Even if the outcome that they're wanting truly devalues who you are. So when he proposed this, this thing to me, I don't want to be with this person. I'm not in love with this person. I'm working on my addiction to this person. I'm working on healing from this person and for myself and from my life story. So I'm good. I don't need none of that. But but whoa, this is something that I'm facing and it's an actual battle. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I'm past this crap. <laughs> I am a woman of strength and power and I'm, I'm good. I do not need to have this person attached to me. So why am I not having the easiest time just saying what I need to say to love myself, to have my self value intact and to have boundaries. So I brought it to a friend of mine and I'm telling him, you know, I'm really going through this and I'm really working on this. 
and he prayed over me and he had said, you know, your battle is not against flesh and blood. And then he continued, but the reason why I emphasize that one part was because when he said flesh, I was like a light bulb went off like a freaking nuclear bomb over my body. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I I was taken back to the first time that my innocence was ever in question. Let me rephrase that. I was taken back to the time that my innocence was stolen by a very important person in my life. So when I had that revelation, I was so mad. (laughs) I was so mad. I was like, we've dealt with this. I'm a grown woman now. That's the past. But that's just a lie that I tell myself because I'm, that's what's expected of me, right? I'm a mom of six. I have had a divorce. I'm trying to financially survive my life. I'm working on my life. I am doing inner healing. Like the childhood stuff like that has already been talked about. It's already been dealt with, but it's okay if it's not. And that's what I was not really getting. I was just feeling upset that I was having to revisit that moment. But at the same time that I was upset, I was also really excited. Because I could finally be like, I could pinpoint the problem, you know? So, I tell my friend... I think I just had a revelation. (laughs) I think I know what my next podcast is going to be about. Dang it. And so that was a week and a half in. And it's been three weeks since I put out my last podcast. So it's taken me three weeks to get to this point. Because I had other things start coming my way too. About my childhood trauma and stuff that I thought that I dealt with just surfacing, which is incredible. Like, I'm so thankful, you know, I'm so thankful for that I'm present enough, you know, that I'm here and that I am working on this really hard shit and that I'm able to learn and develop and, and become a better version of myself the whole version of myself, I should say. That's so exciting, but it's painful as hell. It's painful as hell. And I've really been in my life. I felt like I had like, there's an expectation of Shasta to be something. And so if I pay attention to this stuff that actually hasn't been dealt with, it's like, I'm being weak I'm being stupid. I've been told those things. And I believe them. Well, guess what? That's a bunch of BS and that's not okay. It's affected, and you know what? It's affected so much of my life. And I'm tired of making decisions out of this stuff that's sitting in me. So I'm going to deal with it. (laughs) I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to deal with it right. And you'll notice like I am going to take deep breaths because this is just something that's really, it's pushing me, it's pushing me outside of that safe place, quote unquote safe place, because it's not really safe. It's just to cover up. And I know people are going to hear it that really know me. And so it's just difficult to be that vulnerable, but it helps me, helps me heal. And I hope it helps you. You are not alone. And I would urge you to really dig deep in yourself and really find out if you have healed from the things that you have endured in your life so that you can be free. 
sometimes even as adults, we are not free. Just because we grew up doesn't mean that we are not suffering inside. It affects how we do our marriage. It affects, and sexual abuse is a little bit different than a lot of other abuse because it warps our vision of intimacy. And sometimes, even when we, it's not about sexual abuse, but sometimes we're in a marriage and sex is warped. It may be because of sexual abuse growing up or intimacy's just been completely mangled in general and become something it's not when you get a divorce and you maybe or you're not even divorced whatever it is if you feel inadequate not beautiful enough not handsome enough not not enough in every aspect that your sex isn't good that this this intimacy is just lacking you're going to make decisions to help yourself not feel that lack and those decisions aren't the decisions that make you a whole version of yourself. And as parents, it's even more important that we're whole versions of ourselves or we're going to parent out of our trauma. That's that's something that's very proven. And I don't want to do that. And that's also something that I'm going to talk about too because that was a revelation that I had that got me in desperate mode to heal from my sexual abuse. So, uh, moving forward a little bit into the second week, I had been watching some inner healing stuff and I had been doing some child inner healing. And in the middle of this, I found out that one of my older kids, oh, and parents, if you know, like when you're kids become adults it's so hard to like let go and to watch them make decisions that in your opinion aren't the best for them but I mean my I'm thankful that my kids are so good but they do make decisions sometimes that I'm like I don't don't do that please (laughs) but of course this issue came up during this time where I'm dealing with these things and you'll notice that when you start to heal, there's a, there's an anthem of events that start happening that are speaking the same verbiage, sexual abuse, sexual stuff, sexual this, like trauma, trauma, trauma. So that's what was happening to me. And it was happening through my kids. And so um, one of my oldest kids um, is dating somebody and, you know, I'm freaking out because they're going to venture out and have their own decisions they make when it comes to intimacy, you know, and I just thought I was being a dramatic parent, (laughs) but I had somebody tell me that I really look up to um, a mentor in my life. He said, Hey, like you're acting like somebody died, like you're mourning over this event. And I was like, no, I'm just being a protective parent. And he's like, no, you're not. You're mourning. You're crying so hard because you can't protect them. But why? Why do you feel the way that you feel? Like as if they were raped or or their innocence was stolen. And he said, I think. He's like, I propose to you that that you might be seeing their situation through the first times that your innocence were taken from you. And so it makes you feel like something is dead. Something's dying in your child. That they've been violated. Talk about gut-wrenching. So cool. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to journal. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and meditate on that. I'm going to really dive into that. Well, it's true. It's very, very true. And so I highly suggest if you're parents and you have sexual trauma that, um, you make sure that it's something that you have worked on and that you've healed from and kind of just keep an eye out for that because it can affect how we parent our kids. So, after that, I I definitely 
was under the understanding of what I needed to work on. And so I'm, I do a lot of revisiting my childhood lately and doing specific meditations that help me release and acknowledge those parts of me. And so I, (laughs) it's difficult. It's really difficult. Um, so let's get into it. So I wrote down on a piece of paper all the times that I was sexually abused, where I was unwillingly, um, sexually assaulted in my life. The first time, and again, I'm not going to mention names. Um, the first time was when I was about, let's see, I still sucked my thumb. So (laughs) I was a little, little girl. I was probably four and a half, five. Yeah. Cause my, my sister who's, uh, six years younger than me, she wasn't born yet. And, um, so this this person who was very important to me hadn't been in my life closely for a while. I wasn't I wasn't really allowed to be around this person um by myself and so yeah, once I finally was allowed um I was with this person by myself and We were having a moment where we were laying um, in his bed and having a a moment that was innocent and so precious. And that moment was cut really quickly by him asking me to see something. This was the moment that my innocence was removed from my life. I had excused this moment And overlooked it until I was 18 years old and first talked about it. And I was made to think that I didn't remember this moment properly or whatever. And that was just a bunch of BS. Um, But this is what happened. And he stood up and he showed me what I had made him feel. We were were tickling. We were hot. Like I I was a little girl. But that's how I made this person feel. And using those words projected in my direction, look, this is how you made me feel. This person was important to me. This person I look to as somebody that for so long I couldn't be around, that I loved, that I, that I thought was so special. And in an instant, he took everything that I felt that was pure and he made it messy and gross and violating. And then he asked me to take a shower with him. I can remember what was on the radio at that time. I remember my whole world just, I was feeling emotions I had never felt before. And in those moments, learning what I've learned now about the chemicals in the body, all of this stuff that was surging through my body to my brain to protect itself. No wonder I made so many choices I made in my life, not excusing them. But a lot of the times people don't know what other people endure. They don't know what other people face. You know, we just don't, we don't get to say that this child's acting out because it's their fault they probably have had a traumatic moment in their life that shaped the way that they behave. I come from a small town and a lot of people would look at me and try and analyze my life and understand why I made decisions I made, but they really had no idea. So I always felt in my life like I was a failure because I couldn't live up to anything. But all the while I had all this stuff stored inside of me and I had a trauma response at at a really young age that caused my brain to go into survival mode and I didn't even know it. And there wasn't anyone to know it either and nobody to protect me. 
So there, that's the first time. And I didn't get in the shower because I was terrified. And so I walked away. And from that moment forward, I can remember that I had a shift in my personality. But everybody else thought it was just other things. You know, my parents divorced. My, the, reasons, the reason why my parents divorced was because my dad tried to kill my mom and I when I was a baby. I was about two or three in my room. He was drunk and he was going to shoot us. My mom got between us and he beat her to death. And this is a story that lots of people know that know my parents. So I had trauma from an early age. And so a lot of people thought that, you know, oh, poor Shasta, you know, she's going through all this because her parents derailed. And, you know, we hope that she turns out to be a good Christian woman who raises her kids right and marries the right man. And that was just a constant pressure that I felt in my life and that's many of us you know we have a lot of people looking to us to accomplish great things which is fine but there's a lot of things that happen to people in secret that we don't know about and those things are hard I wasn't abused on a regular basis sexually this wasn't a theme all the time Um, The second time I was about seven and this same person was in a hotel room with me and he was watching porn and nobody else was around and he had told me because I was like, oh my God, and he saw me looking and he said, you can watch what the women have, but not the men or you can watch what the women are doing, but not the men because you have what the women have, not what the men have. (laughs) Okay. I mean, wow. Wow. I tell you, if somebody would have done that to my kids. Mm -mm. And I didn't talk about any of this stuff until I was 18 years old and and had become a mom. It was time. And I told a very important person to me that's attached to this very important person to me. The person that sexually abused me and took that from me. So it it was a thing. It had to be talked about. It had to be addressed. This person who sexually assaulted me in my childhood is a narcissist too. And so he had to perform and apologize. But he said, I apologize for what you remember. That must be hard. When you're spoken to like that in your life, You're conditioned to start thinking that it's you. Like you're the one that's crazy. You're the one that's weird. You're the one that's like got a lack of um, sanity. It's not okay. And it's not the truth. And so I'm learning just now at 37 almost that (laughs) none of that was okay. And I get to acknowledge that and I get to have that and I get to go there and I get to heal and I get to live the rest of my life free from that. I never, ever want to make decisions out of that trauma or any other trauma in my life ever again. And I don't want other people to have to continue to do that either. We all deserve to come together and walk this life helping each other become free, not judging one another, not not making it about things that it's not about. I mean, it's uh, it's really just about each one of us becoming ho- the whole version of ourselves. We have a lot of power in this life and and so it's very important for me to pay attention to these events in my life. Um my parents were not the the most present people in my life and I had good good people that came along my path that showed me what what love was and showed me what safe looked like but it was always a question in my mind wait does that man do that to their their daughters or their kids does that man look at me like like that too am I supposed to be that for that person too Oh, not fair, not right at all. 
And so in my mind, at a certain age, I I was in youth group at my church and they gave a a sermon about purity. And I had this like overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, I want to wait till I'm married to actually have sex. Like how special would that be? That would make me like, that would make me beautiful. That would make me impressive. That would mean that I made it. And it felt safe to think like that. And so I held on to that. And there were people in my life that knew that like my freshman year in high school, um, I had my first love at like 13 years old. Those, I think I was, yeah, I was in eighth grade and like, and I'll be honest, like sex was introduced to me all the time in daycare. A little boy showed me his body parts and it was like, it followed me, you guys everywhere. It was just something that was always there. The sexual disgustingness that never left my life. My parents weren't around, you know, so I was like with kids all the time and they would grab their parents' pornography and look at them and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, wow, of course I had so many issues growing up. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we, I don't know. I don't know. If, you know, I do know that there's a lot of people like that, but, and some people have had it much worse. Some people were literally raped and molested their whole lives. Mm, my heart, like, oh, <clears throat> And so I made a pact with myself and with God because I thought if I did that, because I looked at God like I looked at any man. If I do this, this, and this, then God will love me. If I'm this kind of woman, then I'm accepted by God. Then I'm going to heaven. And then I've made it. Then I'm okay. There was a lot of abuse in my life. And so anything that felt good or like, Ooh, like that made me a good person. I hung on to it with everything I had. And so everybody knew that I I was going to stay a virgin. My boyfriend at the time knew I was going to stay a virgin. And yes, I had boyfriends at 13 and 14. Um, and then I was 15 years old and my home life was not so good. And so I snuck out my window and I went to a party and there were a lot of older people there. And I often hung out with older people. And there was this new person there that everyone liked and he was very comedic and funny and sweet and nice and seemed safe, you know? And we went, everybody was going to sleep and I'm laying on this bedroom floor and he's on the bed and I have a couple friends in there with me. They're all passed out drunk. And he tells me to come up on the bed. He's like, hey, come here. And I go up on the bed and we're sitting talking and... He starts to like touch my leg and then he starts to kind of get closer to me. And I was like, what are you doing? He was like, I've been wanting you all night. I was like, well, I'm not like, I'm really tired and I, I'm just, I think I'm just going to go to sleep. And he grabs me and he puts his hand over my mouth and he says, no, you're not. And I like froze and he lays me down And he puts my face in the pillow and he proceeds to rape me. I tried to get up twice and he whispered in my ear that it was going to be okay. And when he was done, he told me, thank you. And that I could go back on the floor. (laughs) And so I did. And that person took another thing from me that I was trying to hang on to with everything in me. And the words he used were so impactful. They stuck in my head. He said, thank you. A male figure said, thank you for pleasing me. Now that's affected me so many years. Those things affect you your whole entire life if you don't deal with them early. I laid on the floor and tears came out of my eyes like, you know, you don't even have to try. It's just those tears that just come out. And I remember thinking that, oh my God, I'm, 
I'm never going to be the same. Like, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I can't tell anybody because they all like this guy. I felt ashamed. And when you feel shame, that's a mask that sucks. It's like the, I think of that movie, The Mask, where it sucks to Jim Carrey's face and turns him into this, like, wild thing, you know? I felt like it, I couldn't even take the mask off. It had just, like, attached itself to me and turned me into something that was monstrous. It was gross. It was scary, confusing. I felt like I was everything that I was trying not to become. That it was my fault. And my mom couldn't be there for me. Uh, She was going through major tragedy at the time. Someone she loved was killed. And so I was left, really. I couldn't talk to very many people. I had my church and my youth group, but I just felt so dirty. Because I was I was known for that, you know. It's a small town and people thought that maybe I wasn't a virgin, but I was. It destroyed me, you know. But the most powerful thing to realize is it wasn't my fault. It's not your fault. Those things were not your fault. It was not in your control. And so you get to have freedom from it. You get to be released from that false identity. You don't have to look at your sex and your marriage as something that came from that place. I just feel like it's so important for us to realize that a lot of the ways that we think about intimacy is based out of those things that were done to us. A lot of the mistakes I've made in my life sexually are from those moments. And they weren't the only moments. <sighs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> mm. So, you know, a lot of us know the the science behind this, right? the spirituality behind it. We understand all these little things like, okay, yeah, of course I, I had sex again outside of marriage. Of course I started to not care anymore. You know, that's a given people who get abused. It starts to become a very jaded scenario. And then the second person that I was willingly with, I got pregnant with my almost now 20 year old son. And, um, that's a very intense topic because he was the first person to ever make me feel safe. And he died when our son was eight years old. And, um, he was my best friend, but even then, you know, here I am not even living at home. I left home at 16 and I get pregnant And my life got even harder because I was making decisions that weren't right for me because I was lost, because I wasn't healed, I wasn't safe. I continued to make decisions my entire life based out of these events. When I, before I turned 16, well, I was just, I had just turned 16. And I was hanging out with some people and they were, they were doing acid. And I didn't know what that was. I was like, what the hell is going on? I had only smoked weed before. And, um, so they gave me some and I lost my mind. I was terrified and I was left alone with someone who had just gone on, gotten out of prison for raping a girl. And I had nobody to protect me from that. He took me in the dugouts in a football or a baseball field in our small town. And he started doing stuff to me and I was calling out and he would cover my mouth and here we go again, you know? And that was scary. (laughs) That was scary. And I had uh, shortly after that, um, I had just started living blindly. Anything that felt safe in a moment, I attached myself to it. And that's what we do. That's how we live. 
when we aren't protected. And I went through life going through that. Um, I have six kids. And they're not all from my ex-husband. And um, I'm thankful for each one of them. For each one of them. But I made sexual decisions based out of trauma. And I ended up having a lot of kids. (laughs) And I wasn't ready most of the time. And, uh, and then I got married and the person that I chose to marry was a lot like the abuse in my life, not sexually. I mean, was I an object to him? Yeah, of course. Of course I was, but that was okay with me. And then we fast forward to the past five years of my life and even the sex inside my marriage, it was not what it should have been. And the past few years when I was dating my ex-husband, I was unknowingly still so traumatized from the abuse in my life and, and just the choices I've made. I had so much shame by this time, you guys, so much shame that I was... And so I was so addicted to him that I was willing to say yes to anything, you know, I was just... I was willing to say yes to anything. And I made some really traumatic decisions that, goodness sakes. (laughs) And if you ever want to know details of things, you are free to ask me. I won't say a lot of things on here because it's such a large platform and a lot of people listen to it. And so there are some things I won't go into because I know who's going to hear it. And so, but the whole point of this is, that while I'm healing from abuse and while I'm healing from choices I've made and decisions I've made and I'm becoming a better version of myself, I'm becoming the whole organic raw version of myself, the woman that I have passionately been wanting to become for so long. I've been the backseat driver of my life and I'm getting in the front seat and in doing that, I have the responsibility of holding the wheel and going in the right direction and making it a safe trip. And so this is something that I am working on. I'm working on healing my sexual abuse in my life, the trauma in my life. And I have, I have begun going into like taking my, I'll write things down. I've written letters to that person. I'm not going to ever send them because <laughs> that's not what the letters are for. I've written letters to that, those people that sexually abuse me. And then I've released them. And then I wrote love letters to myself for those scenarios. And I've started to really understand and be desperate enough. And we have to get desperate enough to never, ever want to make decisions based out of our past trauma And so when I'm faced with these things coming at me right now, when I'm faced with these battles because I'm healing, I look at those things and I go, okay, if I say yes, if I'm not having my boundaries, if I'm not saying yes, then I need to take the time to figure out why. Or if I'm saying yes and I'm not saying no, I need to figure out my why. We have to figure out our why for things that we do. If they're not decision, like if you're going to make a decision and it is not going to make you a more whole version of yourself, then I suggest that you take a step back. See yourself as so valuable, worthy of understanding the situation and figure out why you're about to make the decision you're going to make. If you need help doing it, Find the help to do it. There are so many tools. I'm literally doing inner healing right here at my house. And I don't need yet. I will, but I don't need some specialist. You know, I don't need some professional sitting with me all the time. And so if you have any questions about the things that I've shared or you want to know more detail or you want to understand something, 
then reach out to me. I have Facebook. I have Instagram. Um, you can message me on Apple Podcast and let me know that, you know, you might be struggling with it. But we don't have to stay bound to these things in our life. And we have the responsibility as humans to become better so that we can better everything around us. It's worth it. It's worth it to understand yourself. It's worth it to release. And when I say becoming a whole version of yourself, I always use that because it's so beautiful because I'm taking pieces that were broken and I'm putting them back together. Because I'm worth it. My kids are worth it and my future is worth it. So that is what I have been working on. That is what I have been dealing with. And it's helping me see so much clearer. I have never felt this free in my entire life. I have never felt this important in the world that I live in to have boundaries and to just think for myself and love myself. And I've never been able to I'm not perfect. I'm still making mistakes every day, but I've never had this much freedom. Never, ever, ever. And I can't wait for my next episode because I know it's going to be about, but, um, I just, I hope that in me opening this up, that it opens you up to want to talk about it, that it opens you up to maybe think about your past and think about different things, maybe write them down. I don't know, but I'm just sharing my healing journey and, Thank you for coming along with me. (laughs) Thanks for being in my closet again. (laughs) So until next time in the closet with Shasta, I hope that you have an incredible next few days until we are here again. And if any of you want to be on my podcast or you want to talk about stuff you've been through, please do. Please let me know. And yeah, let's keep having good conversations. (laughs) Until next time.